is this conversation even about? Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. listeners to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa and this is my co-host. Wendy. And we are here with Kelvin Hatley. Kelvin! Yeah, I'm I'm back for some reason. And he's back! Yay! Yay! It's like the love boat when they bring back Charo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are our Charo. I, 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 I am very pleased to be a Charo. Yeah. Can we get a shimmy? I that's not going to show up on the on the podcast. It's great radio. Show. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, Kelvin just shimmied for us. Yes. So all you've those, been shimmied at. All those hip hop dancing classes have paid off. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I did. I, I I did audit one for a while a few years ago. Yeah. 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 So you should go join Aaron Aaron Shepherd's. She you know she does a Monday night class. Oh, I guess I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Hmm. So let's get Kelvin dancing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> and we're on the way to that because we are currently drinking a bottle of Rabbit Ridge 2013 Allure de Robles or something. Robles, like probably. Robles. Robles. I like Robles. 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 We're drinking the Burger King wine. <laughs> yeah. Or not the, the Burger King wine. The Hamburglar. The Hamburglar wine. Hamburglar wine. Allure de Robles Rhone-style red wine. It has a rabbit on it, embossed in gold, so I feel like we're going to get drunk quicker. It yeah, does. It does. It, a rabbit. It does amazing taste rabbit. amazingly like a rabbit. No, it. <laughs> Actually, listeners, when uh, when it was opened and I snipped it, I believe I said that it was very yeasty. It's kind of bready, mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of, but it's very very fruity. So it's like drinking a fruit cake. Yeah, kind of. In in the best sense of of that. <laughs> but I mean, it's got it's got a hearty mouthfeel. It's yeah, not yeah. thin. It's got some it's mm. got some meat on its bones. Yeah, and as it's been uh, sitting in our glasses for a couple minutes, I really like how it's turning out. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, it it has uh, kind of rounded out and yeah, it's it's firm and fruity, and I like it. Yeah. But mm. is it going to mess us up? <laughs> You know that, what? Enough that, of anything will mess you up. That's that. You know, Wine Spectator <laughs> rating of 94. This will mess you up. <laughs> you won't be able to find your butt with both hands. <laughs> Dear listeners, this podcast will mess you up. <laughs> well... It'll mess us up. Yeah. It, it certainly does. I'm probably mm-hmm. going to need medical assistance in my old age because of this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sitting together on in a rest home with no livers left. Yeah. <laughs> no livers on some sort of life support. 
chuckling, <laughs> yeah, chuckling yeah, drinking at our poor more. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're going to be on the, like a blood cleaning machine, just pouring wine into the machine itself. Yeah, oh it's, it's just like an IV with a with a carafe. Oh, that'd be yeah. so much more efficient. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, that's. Again, poor choices. All right. Hey, <laughs> our topic for this evening that Kelvin has come with. Yeah. He, he said, hey, this is what I want to do. Kelvin, in honor of the impending Valentine's Day, you're going to listen to this at some point in the future. Yeah, probably <laughs> in April. <laughs> but um, FYI, we are actually recording this right before Valentine's Day. So we are doing non-traditional romantic comedies or romantic comedies for people who don't like romantic comedies. Yes. Yep. So yes. that is what we are going to talk about. We have a baker's dozen of films to share with you. We whittled our list down. So trust me, there's more out there than what we're going to recommend. But yeah, Th this is just what leapt to mind as we were opening the bottle of wine. True fact. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm a person who does not generally care for rom-coms. Sure. Because rom-coms, like when you generally think of a rom-com... It drives me up a fucking wall. Well, yeah, it's all those terrible Matthew McConaughey films. There, there, there are so many bad ones. You know, it's it's one of those genres that tends to be defined by like the worst. Well, they're neither uh, romantic elements. nor comedy. Yeah, <laughs> they're not funny, and they're not particularly romantic. They're really horrible, and they're and they're characters you can't really relate to. And you and, know, they're all they're all like upper middle class. And they hate each other for some reason. But yeah. that's because they love each other, really, or something. And, and there's like, a meet cute. And really, there's some sort of manufactured conflict that is often just, if you would just communicate, yeah. it would resolve itself. Oh, yeah. Or get the fuck over yourself. Well, I think over the last couple decades, few decades, I think your general rom-com was, at least in America, this quick play for dollars you know they're fairly cheap to make and i think the studios got it in their heads that women are in niche market so if you make a chick flick you know they will flock to it because there's nothing else there that because women don't like action <laughs> films or superhero films or horror oh yeah films which is or... bullshit both of you hate that stuff, I know. Or or flat-out <laughs> comedies like The Hangover. Oh, well, yeah. Right? Those, I just never laugh at those. Well, I, and, and you, know, the, you know, even now, even though it's slowly starting to come around, the, the general consensus in studios is that uh, movies that pander to the male market are for everybody, but women's er, yeah. like, movies that pander to a women's market are only for women. Because no man would willingly seek out a film that is about feelings. Yeah, and there, there, and so many of those scripts are just really, really thin, and they're they're kind of this. They're like the essence of formula. They're, oh, yeah, they're they're not just thin; they're condescending. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the the what's terrible is here's a film that's purportedly for women and yet it's so insulting to women <laughs> yeah it's like nobody i know would really do that and I'd, yeah and i don't want to root for a woman who's going to be that helpless dumb screwed up whatever well you know it's kind of interesting a lot of a lot of like comedies that are supposedly quote guy comedies are, are pretty insulting to men but men tend to find that funny you know what I mean? Well, I mean, when they did... You know, oh, it's a stupid slob sitting on the couch belching a lot. Ah! I get that. <laughs> well, when they did <laughs> you know, it's like male comedy yeah. 
starring females, which was Bridesmaids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's funny. Because it's good. And is something that I always say, and I know this is something that I think I borrowed the specific saying from Tim Wick, the best of any genre is a great movie outside of the genre as well. Like when Harry Met Sally, great romantic movie, even though it's pretty, it's a pretty stock rom-com, but it's better than the rest. And so therefore... It transcends the genre and becomes just a great film. Right, right. Yeah. All right, so let's start giving some recommendations. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I know. Shall we start out with the one that uh, Kelvin first brought up, which was The Tall Guy? Yeah, The Tall Guy. The Tall Guy. Tell us about The Tall Guy, Kelvin. The Tall Guy is uh, a British comedy of the late 80s. Uh, It stars Jeff Goldbroom. God. (laughs) I've I've, I've had an eighth of a glass of wine. This is embarrassing. I've had... (laughs) It it means we're we're off to a good start. Jeff Goldbloom and Emma Thompson... And Jeff Goldblum plays a guy who uh, is an American actor in London who, for the past five years, has been kind of trapped in in this sort of golden handcuff role uh, of being a second banana to this very long-running uh, sort of slapstick comedy show called Rubber Face Review. <laughs> the star of which is a guy named Ron Anderson, who's played by Rowan yeah. Atkinson, playing a very... Honestly, pretty darn vicious self-parody. Oh, yeah. yeah it's um, amazing. <laughs> it's like a parody of, of the show that Ro- Rowan Atkinson had in, in uh, the London stage. And uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, develops a relationship with uh, Emma Thompson, who is a nurse. And Emma Thompson is just this great, very blunt... Well, I don't want to... I don't blunt's the right word. Direct? Very direct, self-assured... Dry. Sm- dry, smart woman. <laughs> uh, and and then also, uh, while this is going on, Jeff Goldblum gets fired from the, the wacky comedy show and he gets hired to play the titular role <laughs> in a musical version of The Elephant Man. <laughs> I saw this movie once long ago and called, I still remember it. Called Elephant. <laughs> And, it, and it, it, it is the the most devastatingly awesome parody of an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. And, and I think this is partly why I love this movie so much, is that it's like a, a sort of very funny, awkward romance story, but it's also this like devastating, like, like my favorite uh, behind-the-scenes comedy about theater <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. same time, so uh, which is partly why I would like it so much. What makes it non-traditional what makes it a an an unusual romantic comedy i don't think people would realize it is a romantic comedy until like maybe the end i mean clearly the centerpiece is the relationship between um dexter king and kate lemon (laughs) and well here's like one of the first times they meet like uh oh what's your name kate lemon horrid name oh oh, that's not a horrible name you know it could be hitler or tampon (laughs) (laughs) so and and then later on he accidentally introduces her as kate tampon (laughs) 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 yeah it's like it's like believably awkward you know i mean a lot of times like they, they do the awkward initial phases of a romance and it just seems i don't know like i i don't really buy it it's just 
what I'm hearing from you is that you like that the awkwardness is that it first off it is an awkward interchange mm-hmm. and here's somebody who is not successful at being romantic and, or being seductive and it has like the funniest most awesome sex scene <laughs> it's true it does the first the, the first time they have sex it's like hysterical they like it's just a montage of them like wrecking the apartment <laughs> <laughs> It follows the traditional uh, romantic comedy plot development of they get together and then they break up and then they get back together. Mm -hmm. But the breakup is because uh, Jeff Goldblum winds up having an affair with the woman who plays the ingenue in Elephant. It's after the opening night party and, uh, you know, they get home and Emma Thompson is just packing a bag and is like, you know, why are you packing a bag? Well, I'm leaving you. Like. Why are you doing that? Well, because you had an affair with that uh, actress. And don't deny it. If you do, it'll be very grim. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was like, what, what? What? You know, it's like, well, like you handed her a glass of wine and she accepted it without saying thank you or anything. You have to know someone very well to be able to do that. And every time you mention her name, you hesitate a little bit before you say it. And he's just sitting there like... Those were your only clues? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and it's... Therefore, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, it was just Emma like... Emma Watson is Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that, that's ooh, sort of like... Ooh, Emma Thompson would make a great Sherlock Holmes. I know. Oh, my... Who would be Watson? Would we have Tilda Swinton as Watson? No, she's too good No, to be she's Watson. too... She'd be uh, Moriarty. She'd be Moriarty. She'd yeah. be Moriarty. Uh, oh, oh I'm, I, there's somebody. It's tickling on my head. It's tickling. Emily Blunt. Ooh. Okay. We figured this out, dear listeners. <laughs> okay, here's a weird one. 51st Dates. Okay, tell right. us about 51st Dates. Okay, this is a very non-traditional romantic comedy. Okay, it is an Adam Sandler film. And I am not generally a fan of Adam Sandler. And there are Adam Sandler stretches in the film where you you kind of are just like, eh. I'm judging you right now. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You can have that look on your face. Okay. It's okay. Um, I will say the Adam Sandler bits are not as painful as they can sometimes be. Mm-hmm. It's And it's Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And they do have chemistry together. What's interesting about the film is that the entire romance is predicated on the fact that she has a traumatic brain injury where she likes Adam. She has no long term memory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, where she, has Adam she likes Adam Sandler. She has one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. But for patient meals, likes Adam Sandler. Oh, it's one brain. of those where um, they can't put anything into long term memory. Yes. She, mm-hmm. she was in an accident. And so she keeps reliving what she thinks is the same day. And when he first meets her, he meets her at a cafeteria and they have a very delightful interchange, just very flirty and everything else. And then when he goes to talk to her the next day, she doesn't remember him. And, he, and then the people who know her clue him in. And so he tries, I can't remember at what point, but what's been happening is her father and her brother have been recreating the same day for her since the accident, which is his birthday, mm-hmm. one of, like the dad's birthday or something. And they, they're doing this because they believe that that's the best way. And eventually there's a denouement, sort of denouement scene where they show Adam Sandler what happens when she realizes what's happened to her and how it she gets very upset and it's very 
hard for her. And so they, they just think it's easier to do it this way. And so like one of the funny things is she bought her dad the sixth sense <laughs> for a birthday present. And so she keeps giving it to him over and over again and they watch it every night. And she's always like, oh my God, that was so surprising. And they're just like, yeah, what a twist. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> what a what a twist. Her brother is played by Sean Astin. Uh, oh, yay. It's a very strange role because he's a bodybuilder and he's got this strange lisp. It's very weird. <laughs> what I like about it, I mean, first off, this is an interesting premise. And yes. it And the, the way the disability is handled is actually pretty accurate and pretty sensitive because they go through like the different ways you can try to deal with it of just... Do you try to coddle them? Do you try to catch them up? Blah, blah, blah. And what's also fun is that he tries to recreate these experiences the next day. And he can't because she's not some automaton that if you just plug in the right inputs, you always get the same output. She's a person. And that's one of the most interesting things is like he shows up once he realizes, he's like, oh, I'll just do what I did the other day when it went so well. And he tries mm -hmm. to do it. And she's like, you're a fucking jerk. Leave me alone. I don't like you. <laughs> and he's like, I don't understand. This worked before. And he's going to be going off on some big, because he's a marine biologist. He's going to go off on some big trip. And <laughs> Adam Sandler's a marine biologist. I was going right to say, there there goes my suspension of disbelief. Yeah, just shh. Just shh. <laughs> And like her father at first is opposed to having him try to date her. And then he realizes that she's happier once she's spent the day with him. And so then they try to have a relationship, but it starts to wear on him the repetition of things mm -hmm. and the lack of growth. And so eventually they break up and she goes to like a care home and and right and of course in true romantic comedy fashion right when he's about to leave he's like i can't live without her and he goes to the the hospital and finds her and she and she of course doesn't remember him because mm -hmm. she hasn't met him that day but when he walks in she's like why do i feel like i know you because some like his big realization was sort of wait there there are somehow there are pieces that are sticking there there there's a feeling or something that's sticking and she shows him all these paintings because she's a painter. And there are all these paintings of egg-headed men because <laughs> 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 of his egg-shaped head. And, he, and she's like, I think I do remember you because I keep painting these egg-shaped heads. <laughs> and so the end of the film is really quite delightful. Um, she wakes up to a videotape that mm -hmm. says, play me. And she pops it in and it basically, like in five to ten minutes, it's like, you've had a traumatic brain injury. It's been ten years since your last memory. Mm -hmm. This is what's happened. I'm your husband, blah, blah, blah. We're on this trip, blah, blah, blah. By the way, we had a kid, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and and then she walks out and, you know, and, this, and there's her kid. And she's like, hi, good morning, mommy. And And so they're still together and they're still making it work. And it's different and it's really yeah. it does what a romantic comedy does which it makes you feel good yeah it makes you feel good and makes you kind of believe even if you had a traumatic brain injury that somehow you could find love and make it work and, and if you had an egg-shaped head you could, you could <laughs> well Kelvin you could said. probably <laughs> <laughs> i don't know well i guess it depends on the type of bird 
Adam Sandler was a star for a reason when he was still doing comedies and allowing himself to he, be... he's not an untalented person at all yeah but then he he's tried just... to be an actor and yeah. that didn't fly Mm-mm. and drew barrymore well that which is which is too bad because his attempts were okay yeah but yeah i he i think he picked bad projects by and large except for the notable exception that's also on the list we'll talk about You know later. what? Since we are we can drift into that, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Then let's do it. Because Punch Drunk Love is also on our list. It is It is a romantic comedy. It, it is. is. And it's fantastic. But it's definitely one that you're like, I, you don't realize it's a romantic comedy. There, there's, a, there's a deep darkness in this one. Fifty First Dates is a classic romantic comedy, but it's different it's got a different hook yeah punch drunk love is one that you don't realize you're watching a romantic comedy because it's it's funny but it's dark funny yeah yeah it's it's very dark because uh well adam sandler is playing a more dramatic role and he's i can't do they actually lay out specifically in the movie what is his issue is he's got some kind of of mental he he has some sort of mental issue he he's very quick to temper like very quick he's got anger he's got anger management issues he's a little bit ocd yeah um well he's sort of hypersensitive he'll like start crying for no reason and yeah. yeah um and needless and a lot of it probably just he's never been properly socialized yeah well, yeah, 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 but but beyond that, there there is a like a chemical imbalance yeah. or a there there is something. Well, isn't there something like he has like five or six sisters and they're all awful to him all the time? Yeah, that's yeah. part of it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you have this this gentleman who's lonely because he really can't deal with yeah. people. He doesn't know how, and he has these these issues that are difficult to overcome without medical help. Um, and he meets... I can't remember who plays the woman. Emily Watson? Is it Emily Watson? I don't remember. I'll look it up real quick. It's a British actress who's named Emily... Talk, talk about talk yeah. about the pudding. I don't remember the pudding. The pudding thing, yeah. It, it, it's based on an actual... Um, an actual dude, did they? Incident where um, some company in the movie it's healthy choice is the brand i i don't know if that was the actual brand in real life did some kind of promotion where you could buy uh yeah items and then get like points that applied to airline miles and he realized like there was no limit that there wasn't a limit and that that the way it worked if you bought like a six pack of this kind of pudding it counted six times so it was like you got way more airline miles if you bought the pudding rather than this other item that they were clearly trying to promote yeah and i mean because of his peculiarities he like did like a cost like a cost need analysis Mm -hmm. and was like aha if you buy the pudding and you buy this amount and you do it this way you maximize the points and there's no limit to how many you can get and so he he, he buys, like, bajillions of uh, things of pudding. Yeah, like, and gets a baj- super bajillion amount. Yeah, basically he can fly bus. anywhere in the world for the rest of his life, like, every week. And, and yeah. but what is so quirky about the character is he doesn't travel. It's not like he's got this dream to travel. He's You see that this is just something he's done because he saw... 
the loophole and was like, well, then you should, this is what you should do to, to beat it. So look at me, I beat it. Yay. And it also features the, um, the song He Needs Me from the Robert Altman movie Popeye. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, and you were right. It is Emily Watson. Okay. It is Emily Watson. It is Emily Watson. And what's he meets this woman who presents a lot more normal than he yeah. does. And she's, she's, you know, more physically attractive, more socially acceptable. And yet they have an immediate connection and she gets him. Like they're on the same wavelength. So when he says really bizarre things to her she finds them romantic and charming and and reciprocates like my god i can't remember it's been so long since i've watched it but like there's some weird scene where he's like i i i love you so much i would bite off your nose and she's like i love you so much i would i would eat your eyeballs (laughs) and this is their exchange and it's not playful it's being delivered it with intensity and truth and you're like this is kind of strange and yet it's kind of sweet <laughs> we should talk about scott pilgrim versus the world mm. yes yes because it is fun oh it is it really is it was a um either a valentine's or a birthday present from from chris to me he's like i know how much you like this and i think it's super romantic so i'm buying it for you and it, it was very sweet i find it an interesting movie about relationships in that the protagonist, who basically is this 20-something-ish lazy man. <laughs> he has a, he's in a band. He's a slacker. But... He's, he's got a band. But, um, you know. Does he have a job? I don't know if he really does. But, you know. I don't remember, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's dating kind of a, a high guy. school he's, he's girl dating this... because it's easy. Yeah. Well, he looks up to him. He's like, he's not 20-something. He's like 20 Right. I don't know if he's quite that young, but it's I, Michael Sarah, so it's kind of that vague. All, all the characters thing. are like within yeah. like the sixteen it's, to twenty-two range. He's, it's yeah. not creepy that he's dating a high yeah. school student. No, but he is clearly older, and he is clearly dating her because it's it's simple. Yeah. Well, he, I, I think not... it's just because. Well, I, I kind of got it because like the woman's just kind of obsessed with him for some reason. Well, yeah, yeah. And he kind she's of gonna... like, oh, okay, yeah, or oh, whatever. Yeah, you know, she's here. Yeah, and not really interested in her, but she's there, and, and it's she's better good than company, and she's she like she likes him, and I'll let you like me. Yeah, because then I get to feel cool and great all the time because you're just so pleased to be with me. Mm-hmm. And then he meets the girl of his dreams, Ramona Flowers. Ramona, and the rest of the movie is him trying to conquer her ex boyfriends in like a video game style. Well, first he has to conquer. Oh, he's conquering yeah. her. He's wearing down her resistance to trying again. Right. Because she's like, no, 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 I don't want to, no, I don't want to date you. I'm done with relationships. No, I don't want to date. No, I don't want to date you because, okay, fine. If you want to date me, here's why you don't want to date me because you're going to have to conquer my evil exes. Mm-hmm. The seven, seven evil exes? I think it is. I think it's seven. But yeah, so it's this kind of video game structure where he's going up against the ex-boyfriends and conquering them. And leveling up. Leveling up. Yeah, one of them's a girl, by the way. One of them's a girl. Which... There's a pair of twins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 
pretty intimidating, really. Yeah. One of them's uh, Brandon Routh. Yes. Yeah, he's the vegan. <laughs> the vegan who has magical <laughs> vegan powers. The power of vegan. I'm yes. so pure you can't fight me. <sighs> so if you can't tell by now, it's very surrealist. <laughs> Oh, well, I, 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 I went into this movie. I, you know, it's based on a comic book. I had, I'd never heard of the comic book before. Uh, I knew nothing about this movie except that people were really excited about it for some reason. I went and, and I saw it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what the hell? What the hell is this? This is amazing. I. It is a film that encapsulates the word giddy. Like, yeah. From the beginning, it's just like we. Yeah, it's just kind of high octane, bizarre, relentlessly bizarre. Um, Edgar Wright directed it, right? Yeah, Edgar Wright yeah. directed yeah. it. Yeah, and and so it's got that same poppy, you know, fast paced feel that you get from Shaun of the Dead, and the there there's this love of I was about to say source material, but the guy had this love of the the eighties and the the video game world and the structure that it has and this this kind of pop culture wrapping that it all comes in it 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 just is really enamored with it and and it just even, goes in with joy even the even the band babobomb sex babomb sex babomb and but the the thing i really like about it is that he goes through all of these you know all these barriers this woman has has thrown up and in the end what saves him in the final battle is finding self-respect and that's what enables him to get past and even then the future is kind of uncertain with the woman yeah because ultimately it's about you need to love yourself and if it works out with her great but if you're turning yourself inside out for somebody else it's not going to work well if we're talking about edgar wright do we go to our 13th pick then pick of Shaun of the dead the Zom Rom Com. Zom Rom Com. Yeah. It's got zombies. It's got romance. It's got comedy. What else could you ever possibly want? It's and, and again, primarily a zombie film. Yep. That is, by the way, a romantic comedy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's that, that's kind of a thread. <laughs> you know, like, like they're they're romantic comedies that kind of look like a different kind of comedy. They sucker you. Kind of yeah. You, you think yeah. you're gonna get something else, but by the way. Surprise! Romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's absolutely a romantic comedy. But you know, th- those aren't the things you necessarily you you wouldn't like if you were editing the trailer together. <laughs> you wouldn't throw the romantic. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's going to be all the zombie stuff. But but the thing about zombies, I mean, zombies in general, zombies are an environment. Yes, uh-huh. they're they're not zombies. Are not a monster. Zombies are not do not in themselves make a movie or a book or a comic. Zombies are the environment that everything ex- exists into, and few people know that better than Edgar Wright, who who knows that genre mm-hmm. so intimately, and you can tell he loves it. And zombies are the backdrop by which everything happens in uh, Shaun of the Dead, as it should be. Well, if it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. One of the things you're going to look for is somebody to mate with. <laughs> In which case, it's Nick Frost. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, that's not who I would, would pick personally. I, I love Nick Frost so much. No. But I, I no, I... Uh, I'd let the human race die out. It, his, no. Especially his character in Shaun of the Dead. Well, his character. His God. character in Shaun of the Dead, that's... Mm, 
Yeah. The human race would probably die out. (laughs) I I do remember, like, after seeing that movie for the first time, like, going online and trying to buy one of those I Got Wood (laughs) t-shirts. But then I realized, no, I don't really want to wear that around. Well, I bet you can find some places to wear that, Kelvin. And, you know, if you wear it to, the, to some con, I mean, they'll they'll get it as, oh, it's the Shaun of the Dead t-shirt, not, well, and it's oh, the, look at my penis t-shirt. You it's know? the perfect romantic comedy for men because it's a zombie horror film. Things get shot. It's a, <laughs> it's a comedy. People get beaten the, with pool cues. But the true, the true driving force of the plot is... He wants to find his girlfriend and make sure she's safe and get back together with her. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But at least in this romantic comedy, the conflict is genuine. Although I I would correct your comment about this is the perfect romantic comedy for men. I would say it's a perfect romantic comedy for cynics. (laughs) Yes. Because I am in that camp. Yeah. (laughs) It's the perfect non-traditional in that it suckers you in with a lot of other things that are... What you would what you would normally consider the opposite of romance, mm-hmm. right? Zombies, blood and gore, Guns. slapstick comedy, fart jokes, English pubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the Thin Man again, uh, another again, yet again. Yes, we are talking about the Thin Man again. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah. The Thin gurgle, Man. Gurgle. Seriously, we. We talk about it. A lot. Uh, you know, another another movie that generally gets presented as you know a murder mystery, but when I see it, I can't think of it as anything but a romantic comedy. It's true. It's really about their relationship. And yeah, their relationship is so delightful. It's one of the greatest comedies about a married couple ever. Mm-hmm. Their their relationship is just so charming and so amazing Ex- and unapologetically eccentric. And unapologetically drunk. Yeah, yeah. There's... And they they love each other exactly for who the other is. There mm-hmm. is no mistrust. They delight in each other. Mm-hmm. They absolutely just think the other person is the bee's knees. Well, just the... I just like spending time with you. Let's get drunk together. The the whole the whole scene of just shooting the Christmas ornaments. <laughs> that my favorite. And, my favorite. And, and 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 there's. No joke, except the expression on Claudette Colbert's... It no, is, no, 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 Myrna, Myrna Loy. Loy, sorry. Myrna uh, Loy. The ex- just the expression on Myrna Loy's face of just like, oh, God, this again. You're, <laughs> you're such a child. And the, I'm hungover. <laughs> and you are shooting things off the Christmas tree. I'm still kind of drunk from last night. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's hung over. I think she's she's doing the time-tested method of if I just keep drinking, I never have to be hung over. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> I've never done that. I want to talk about Knocked Up. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Knocked Up. So I will say the only time I've seen Knocked Up was before it was released. So I think I've seen a longer cut than most other human beings. Yeah, I have haven't seen the theatrical movie. cut. Yeah, because we. Oh, oh yeah, Wendy, yeah. Wendy and I both saw Knocked Up at but no matter oh, okay. when it was a rough cut, and um, God was Seth Rogen there. Seth Rogen was Seth there. Rogen. It, it was so late at night, and it was so long ago. Uh, but yeah, Seth, Seth Rogen was there with the movie, and it wasn't quite finished yet. It was pretty long but it was very good no i remember enjoying it i don't remember feeling like it was long yeah what i liked about it 
was that the conflict was organic and authentic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, The conflict in their relationship, because it follows the classic trope of they get together, they break up, they get back together at the end. Right. Well, the reason they break up is very authentic. It's because this guy that she likes, that she gets into a relationship with, and she knows going in that this is who he is, Uh is this slacker, man-child, responsibility-avoiding person. Seth Rogen. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's Catherine Hegel, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, And she's more, like, upwardly mobile and... Like, she's she's on TV as a commentator for like an e reality network sort of thing yeah and and she has that is um it's Alan Alan Tudyk. Tudyk. her is her boss and, or, he, and he just and keeps going and you know a little tighter so you want me to lose weight no just tighten, tighter tighten tighten and there's so you want me hands. to work out no tighten and he's <laughs> it's very funny oh and it's Kristen Wiig yeah. Kristen Wiig it's like one of their like maybe her first movie and she's know. just looking at her with sort of admiring, horrified anger and despair. And she's just like, <laughs> and she's like, really? And Catherine Eagle's like, I thought I'd get fired. She's like, yeah, I don't know why you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there there are all these lovely little side things like Alan Tudyk in the movie that are And Paul delightful. Rudd. And Paul Rudd and, uh, you know, this great supporting cast. But the, the real meat of the movie is kind of this it's kind of a non-relationship between Catherine Hagel and Seth Rogen who are very different people and they clearly don't have the same goals in life I mean they meet up for in a night it's a hookup they they have a hookup at a bar they're both drunk and, yep. and it happens and they're happy for a while but then they kind of go their separate ways but it winds up she's she's pregnant and so they then kind of try to make a go of making their lives fit together well and, and I then kind of they are att- they're and... attracted to each other so the, yeah. the basic person to person there's an attraction there and they like right. each other and so yeah and she's game and she's she's actually very delightful in that she accepts his weird lifestyle and oh, jumps yeah. in with both feet and like this is fun and he's not too bad at being in her life but there, there comes a point <laughs> where she realizes that he ha- he's not really stepping up to actually, like, re- there's going to be a baby. And if we're going to be in a relationship together, that means you're going to be a father and not just some dude sitting around smoking pot all the time. There, there needs to be a, a point where... You, you can still smoke pot. You can still have yeah. a good time. But there needs to be the part where you're responsible sometimes, too. And you you haven't done any of that yet. Mm-hmm. In yeah. any of it. And, you know, uh, speaking about a movie that's ostensibly about love, the scene with Seth Rogen and Harold Ramis. Oh. <laughs> not, not, not romance, you know, but, geez. I mean, how, okay, think about how many movies are there where you see, like, a father and a son loving each other? It's true. It, without without like doing some kind of, oh, we just killed a bear together. Yeah. Yes. Or whatever, you know. It's just sweet yeah. and uncomplicated. And yeah, the, the way the film treats the characters is really great. Yeah. yeah they're, they're real yeah. people. Yeah. And this is the most like, honestly, the relationships I see around me and, and the problems they have. The problems they have are not about... 
uh, there was an important phone call that was about yeah. whether or not I get to take my business to Paris and there was a it's wacky not, misunderstanding. It's not yeah. white people bullshit stuff. It, it, the, yeah. the problems... I mean, they're all white people, but... The problems <laughs> in relationships are about we have different ideas of what our lives are going to be like and until we resolve those, this relationship isn't going to work. Right. And and it's just so delightful when he, he finally does step up. He gets the wake-up call and, and he goes out into the real world and he realizes, well, it's not that bad. Because mm-hmm. you really get the sense that he was avoiding it because he thought it was going to be some soul-destroying thing. And and Because I remember the cute little scene where he actually gets a job as a computer programmer, which is what his degree was in or something. Well, he's some like some kind of, of customer service... Or, it, rep guy. or coding or something. It's, it's well, not it's, just... It, he's like taking orders over the phone. Yeah, kind of thing. and uh, the guy's like, uh, wow, you're doing a really good job. And he's like, I can truthfully tell you this is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> because... He's never had a job. It's the only job he's ever had. But he he's not being a sarcastic asshole. He's actually enjoying the job and feeling successful. Yeah. And that's the thing. It also... So often in movies... Being an adult is presented as something soul-killing and crushing, especially in that middle-class tier. And here is a movie where even just as a sidelight, it shows that having a job, paying the bills, and being good at your job actually feels good. Yeah. I have to remind myself of things like that. <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. Oh, Kelvin. I know. I know. That was... A... Well, as a uh, means... I, that... Hi, I'm Captain Bringdown yet again. Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay, Juno. There. Juno. Juno, yeah, all right. I have not yet seen Juno. Really? I have not yet seen Juno. I okay, love I love it. Reitman. I love Jason Reitman. I know it needs to I need I know. I know. Add I know. it to the list for the next weekend. I will. Okay. It's a very adorable movie. It is very adorable and it's very it is a non-traditional romantic comedy in that the primary relationships she gets pregnant from this boy and so the course of and it's what's fun is the main quote romantic relationship is the secondary plot yeah Hmm. which is her and michael cira again right michael cira is the guy who got her pregnant yeah Um, because they had they they're friends and they had a night and then she got pregnant jason bateman or is that his name yeah it's jason bateman and it's uh, the the arrested development guy yeah, yeah, it is is the <laughs> the other arrested the other arrested guy. development guy <laughs> who is uh, going to the father of the cup the, the husband of the couple that's going to be adopting her kid when it gets born. Okay, yeah, so, and they wind up bonding like a lot. So there's two plots, and the more typical romantic plot with her and the boy, which is them negotiating, actually having a relationship. And eventually he has to call her on it and it's like, look, you, you're the one who keeps trying to play this as it's no big deal when I have feelings for you and you have feelings for me. So why can't we just date? Mm-hmm. What, why, do, why are you doing this? And she decides to give the baby up for adoption. And because she's a sassy young thing, she goes out and she finds a couple to adopt the baby herself. Mm-hmm. And... Meets with them, and it's Jennifer Garner, who's your typical uptight sort of suburban mom. And she's just like, really? Because she, it's, um, oh, who's the actress? Ellen Page. Ellen Page is playing Juno. 
And she's, of course, all artsy and alternative and everything. She's like, really? But Jason Bateman, who's the father, well, he used to be in a punk band. And so the two of them start bonding and blah, blah, blah. And since you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it. But what becomes interesting is that the one relationship, the romantic relationship with the boyfriend, but then the second, the primary relationship is her relationship with this couple mm-hmm. and how that plays out, which is in a weird way, its own love story and how that, that all goes together. And what's weird is whenever I think, whenever I think about pro-choice stuff and, and like, they're always like, oh, we'll just have the baby and give it up for adoption. I, I always think of this movie and it's like, yeah, she gives it up for adoption. And I'm like, and now for the rest of her life, there are things that are going to be different for her because she had a baby. Her body will be different for the rest of her life. And nobody wants to talk about that. And that's always, I always think of this movie. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. I always think of like Juno, who probably is going to be more likely to get diabetes. And she probably has problems holding her urine because that's a typical thing for women who've had a baby it's like hi i'm 20 and i wet myself when i jog (laughs) everybody drink somebody else talk okay we've had two movies about babies being born there's i i feel like we need to bring up baby Ah! Ah! bringing up babies. our segues are something else which which is not about babies at all it's about it's about it's about a leopard it's a leopard named baby or a cheetah it's a leopard it's It's a a leopard leopard. okay the leopard is named baby baby and it's go and it's got carrie carrie grant is an awkward nerd guy an awkward paleontologist yes and and katherine hepburn as a zany heiress liberty gibbet Oh, she's how, how could Catherine Hepburn not, at that age she was when this was made, not be like a wacky socialite? Yeah. You know, Catherine, it's like, yeah. Catherine Hepburn with a leopard. Yes. That is your your selling point for this movie. Catherine Hepburn with a leopard named Baby. And it's a <laughs> screwball comedy that, by the way, they also fall in love. Yes. But it's mostly just about the wacky shenanigans that happen. Yeah. Because he's got a famous bone. Because he's a (laughs) million. I'll say he does. (laughs) (laughs) Where's that guy with the trap set? (laughs) Um, Because he's a paleontologist. And like the dog. And and I forget how baby comes into it, but he's like, baby, baby, what? And she's like, baby, you know, the leopard. And he's like, ah, because he ends up at her house for like the weekend. Yeah. And the, the, the supporting cast is delightful. And the dog steals the bone and buries it. But he needs to get the bone back because he's got to interview. With An his... intercostal clavicle. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> But the dog buried it because it's a bone. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got to get it although, back. Although, although uh, technically being a dinosaur, quote, bone, unquote, it would be in fact stone. Stone because it's a fossil. <laughs> push, push up your glasses. Uh, uh. Ruin the entire movie for me. I simply could not uh, accept the, the reality presented by this film as it was clearly wrong. So there's, there's a delightful... <laughs> I, how did the... Okay, so if it was fossilized, if it was rock, you know, fossilized bone being rock, how did the dog lift it? That was a big dog. It was a tiny, it was a little dog. 
And it was a little dog. dog. But the dog took it off and buried it because it's a bone. And (laughs) the scene, yeah, bone, 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 let's all be 13-year-old boys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My favorite scene is when they're running around in the woods following the dog trying to get it to go to the bone and dig it up and he's chasing the dog and she's chasing him and he keeps calling the dog's name and I can't remember what it is let's say it's Spot and he's like Spot! Spot! And she's like bouncing along behind him Spot! Spot! And wherever he goes she just follows along behind Spot! Spot! (laughs) And then the the dangerous killer leopard escapes from the circus. Yes. And he gets confused with baby. Oh that's right because they have their pet leopard and then there's a dangerous leopard and they're like oh baby stop it and then (laughs) (laughs) and then and oh baby why you gotta be like that and and uh i can't remember the why um carrie grant had to change out of his clothes and like the only clothes he had to change into was like one of Catherine hepburn's negligees or something yes it's one of those diaphanous things with like the feather boa sewed into it. I don't know what they're called. I don't know. Mirabu. Yeah. It's Mirabu. Mirabu. Okay. Mirabu. Um, you know, and he's just sitting there like grumpy, like, I can't believe I have to wear this. And one of the party guests is like, why are you dressed like that? And he goes, well, because I just went gay all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really clear that by gay, he means homosexual. Homosexual. And which, which in the 30s was about, kind of like, whoa. Anyway. Yeah, they, they got that past haze. And it's Carrie generally Grant's considered to be the first uh, acknowledgement. Use, acknowledgement of the word gay meaning homosexual in the film. Because I just went gay. And it's Cary Grant. And oh, he yeah. was such a brilliant comedic actor. He's amazing at comedy. Oh, my God. He's and, so fantastic and he's gorgeous. But oh, when he goes, when he goes loony, when yeah. he gets flustered, I love it so much. Well, yeah, I I never, um, well, I mean, I remember as a kid, like hearing that Cary Grant did comedies, and I'm like, what? Because the only conception I ever had of Cary Grant was like romantic leading man in yeah, like charade or something yeah. like that, or you know, an affair to remember, or yeah, something like that. And then but, seeing him like in Arsenic and Old Lace or something. Oh, I'm that's like, oh my god, this is yeah. hilarious. He is brilliant at comedy, and yeah. as is Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn is one so of the greatest of actresses those, of all time. You watch the movie, and you're gonna laugh your ass off. And by the way, they're gonna fall in love, and that's why you watch this non-traditional romantic comedy because I'm keeping it. On task. On task. On task. Well, I feel like we could uh, follow the Catherine Hepburn thread to the African Queen. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, you are segueing like a master Uh, tonight. I've had the perfect amount of alcohol. I could segue. So yeah, that's a pretty good example of of you know two people who really have on the surface nothing in common. Yeah. Well, and are very irritated with each other, but and yet there's chemistry there. And yeah. this is an adventure film that, by the way, there's also a romance that happens. Mm. Yes. And what another way these two films tie together is my husband did not see either one of them until very late in life mm. when either myself or in the case of the African Queen, my mother, were like, you've never seen? Because he had never seen Bringing Up Baby. And I'm like, oh, God, you yeah. are going to love this. 
And it was literally just a couple of months ago that he finally saw the African queen. And it was so delightful to just listen to him giggle his way through it. Because <laughs> it's fantastic. So, dear listeners, if, if oh, if you've never seen it, please go see it. But it's um, Catherine Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. But they're older. But they're older. This they're, is like 50s. You know, it was like, like 51, late 50s, I think. Like late, no, it's like, mid I, to late 50s people. Yeah. So these are people who have lived. They are set in their ways. They are very opinionated people. Both of them are very stubborn. Mm-hmm. And I've, I do One's don't, a missionary. One's a, a guy who just a, runs the steamboat or whatever. Yeah, the, it yeah. it's just he, she hires him to get her someplace. But they realize that they have the opportunity to stop the Nazis in Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, Point of order by Kelvin. It, it was World War One. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're. I, yes, you're right. I, I don't know what they were called. Stop the proto Nazis. Stop. Stop the the, the Kaiser Wilhelm. The Kaiser. Supporters. The Kaiser. The Germans. Just say the Germans. The Germans. I can't. I, remember, I can't remember if they. The 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 Bosch. <laughs> Being a German, I realize my country has tried to invade everybody. It's hard yes. to just say Germans. Yeah, you know, those Germans, they're a problem. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is the classic trope of two people who meet and they're they're bickering all the time. and But they also come to admire just the strength of the other person and the the strength of will. And then they both find this thing that they agree that needs to be done and they are both willing to go to such lengths to do it and they start helping each other and they have adventures along the way and they're gonna get this torpedo and somehow torpedo a boat they just they just like stick it in the front of the Uh, african queen and this tiny mm -hmm. little tugboat i mean it's it's literally like the boat on the jungle cruise at Disney World. I mean, it's that big. It's like this little tug, 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 tug. And they wind up getting married by the captain of the German ship. <laughs> they, they and, then they, and then they jump off and the German ship blows up. I'm like, hey, I guess we're married. Well, they get, they're about to be executed. Yes. For spies. And the German commandant, they're like, we have one final request before you kill us. Can you can you marry us? We really want to get married because we're in love. And he's like, oh, sure, I'll marry you. And so that's by the power invested in me by Kaiser Wilhelm, I now the pronounce... second and upper announce you, man and wife, execute. That, and that's one of the best lines is, I now pronounce you man and wife. Carry on with the execution. <laughs> I just and I, then... I love that they're now technically married, but they have like no way to prove it. Like in court, well, it's, yeah. well, and it's that whole thing of. The little boat that could, sort of the tortoise and the hare, they've been taken off their boat, but the boat was left out there and it's chugging along like like a juggernaut, just sort of tug, 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 tug. And it's just coming at the boat slowly, slowly, slowly and surely. And they're on there and finally they're like, oh, shit, here it comes. We better get off. And they jump off and it blows up the boat out of nowhere like, <laughs> hey we did it and we're married go us <laughs> the point is older should... romances are fun they're fun yes, they and are. you don't and there's very few of them and they they avoid a lot of the the things that are so troublesome about romantic comedies where they just rely on pretty people and it's like no these are these are people with pasts and ideas and they're set in their ways by golly 
It's not easy to get in a relationship when you're older because other people are annoying when you get older. You need to talk about... I need to talk about Dog Day Afternoon. Yes. (laughs) Because, although I will probably need help remembering the finer plot points of Dog Day Afternoon. But speaking of kind of non-traditional, at least up to this point, um, relationship structures in movies, Dog Day (laughs) Afternoon was a fairly early representation (laughs) of of a gay couple. It's true. Uh, because so Dog Day Afternoon, I will give a little backstory in my personal life here. I only saw it, I don't know, about 10 years ago or so. And I don't know what my preconceptions were, but it wasn't what I got from that movie. Uh, when I first watched it, I had expected it to be a drama because it's based on a real incident, which is kind of this botched bank heist. But it's a comedy. And a really kind of delightful, sort of dark one. Um, It stars Al Pacino in one of his earlier roles. A very good role for him, where he's heading this bank heist that goes horribly wrong. And it kind of winds up being he's kind of holding off inside this bank. And the police are surrounding the place. And he starts trying to, you know, rile the crowd up on his side and kind of turn it into this media circus to protect himself and the whole story builds to the fact that he's trying to get money to fund a sex change for his gay lover yeah (laughs) and the his lover is chris sarandon in one of his earliest roles who let's be honest chris sarandon you can kind of buy as trans he's a very pretty man he is a very pretty man very pretty man but yeah, it, it there's not much in the movie that is directly about that romance, but the whole movie is driven by this it's, love it's, affair. It's a, it's a I, love I, affair. I have a, yeah, it is. I mean, I have a really dumb question, though. I mean, yeah. if he's transitioning to female... And Al Pacino is gay. But that's not really a... It could work. Maybe he's just bi. Well, is it, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, okay. People. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah there, I there, guess. there are the weird things that you know. Is that I, technically a gay relationship? I don't know. From I, from a purely hetero viewpoint, there are many sexualities that seem illogical. Like, yeah, like but you're gay. That means you like men. So if your lover transitions to female, are you still going to be attracted to them? But the sexuality is so fluid. Yeah. The problem is we just don't have enough of the right words. Well, that's yeah, why, yeah, yeah. We got. That's yeah, why kind of... I like people who just use queer because it just sort of encompasses not heteronormative. Yeah, and God, and God bless you. I know. I and we'll figure it out. Later. I, I don't. I guess I'm just that much old enough that I, I, I have such a hard time thinking of queer as anything but a derogatory term. Yeah, but it's been. It's I mean, been, it's been kind of co-opted. I know that. It's been, yeah. re-app- it's been reappropriated into a okay. positive. But we should proceed to the man with one red shoe. Oh, I suppose the man, the man with we, one red shoe. Which that's I get, the, which I get, not the song. Which that's I guess is our our uh, spy comedy, romantic comedy. I think, I think so. I think it's so. a spy action flick that, by the way, they fall in love. The, and this brings us and, into and Tom it's, Hanks land. And it's Tom Hanks, and it's you know kind of the reversal. And it's thing. young, young comedy Tom Hanks. Yes, young. I miss comedy tom hanks because he's funny he is he is well even 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 in some of his later roles like charlie wilson's war yeah he's got such just oh he's so timing so so dry and just (sighs) sing yeah i yeah and it's also you know and this i this i know this is a weird statement to make 
Jim Belushi's also good in this movie. <laughs> it's no, true. I, Jim Belushi had a window where he was super enjoyable. He, you, know, be, you know, before he got lazy and just decided to do this dumb sitcom for his whole life. The biggest problem I have with The Man with re- One Red Shoe is that the female lead, who's supposed to be gorgeous and sexy, is Lori Singer, who is... <laughs> we, we know you have issues with She's Lori a coat Singer. hanger. She, she kind of is. She's a coat hanger. With, and I'm not just talking about the way she's built. That's her personality. She is boring. <laughs> Honestly, she, I don't know how that woman got a career. But we do have Tom Hanks... Yeah. And but but her hair gets coming. zipped up into his fly. That That's is true. funny. That's and true. that is super funny. <laughs> <laughs> and they're trying to analyze his improv solo for secret messages. Well, yeah, it's got Dabney Coleman in it. I, I, I Anything Dabney Coleman. Oh, Dabney Coleman um, is a winner. And, you know, it, the two weird, nerdy assassin guys who are following them around and... Oh, what's his name? The guy who played Squiggy. Oh, yeah! Is in yeah. It. Um, and it's got... And I really love the score in this movie. It has such an odd score. It, it does. It's like okay. 80s synthesizer pop, but not too much okay. that. Briefly, for those who may not have seen it. Yes. Yeah. The plot is... I forget why, but there's a spy who purposefully indicates Tom Hanks as the contact to basically distract. To throw other spies off the trail. To throw other spies off the trail so he can accomplish the actual mission. And so he's like, there he is, the man with one red shoe. And they start investigating him and following him. Because he's he's wearing one red shoe. He's he's, uh, a friend played a prank on him. A friend played a prank on him and stole one of his shoes. So he had to come off the plane with like one dress shoe and one red tennis shoe. And he's also a violinist in the Washington DC orchestra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he bikes everywhere. And he right? and he's 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 a biker a biker. A, a cyclist. A cyclist. A cyclist. Got Not a biker, whole, a cyclist. He's got his whole ritual of how he ties his pant leg up. Yeah, he's everything. like the sort yeah. of eccentric guy. That's and... important shit, you know. If you... And Laurie Singer yeah. is the femme fatale spy who goes in to seduce him to get the information, but of course he doesn't have any. So he's just like, what? Why are you talking to me? You're, what? And she's all like, what's, you're dumb. I don't know. And so it's very funny. I like the movie a it's lot. It's delightful. I yeah, and I well, it's many, based on a French comedy, and so many many you can yeah feel the French vibe, the French yeah, comedy yeah. vibe. Of I it. I saw the original French version many many years ago, which is called the Tall Blonde Man with One Black Shoe, uh, and I don't know how to. I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I I don't know how to describe it except that it's just more French. <laughs> You know, it, the 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 sex is much more casually presented. You know, it's not like it's ba ba boom. Laurie Singer walks in with the the most backless backless dress ever. Oh, it really is the most backless. backless. And 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 all that kind Which of stuff. Which on a woman with actual hips would be sexy. Yeah, because mm. she's a coat hanger. <laughs> you remember when you described Wonder Woman as a box of handles? Yeah, that would be having sex with Laurie Singer. A box of handles. Yes. Or a bag of antlers. Yes. Yeah. It would be a, like fucking a cracker. 
I, I, w- I wouldn't want to fuck a cracker. <laughs> Nobody would want to fuck a cracker. Although now I kind of yeah, well, 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 are we talking about like a, it was like a really big cracker? I kind of. <laughs> Kelvin's into a big cracker, like a female-shaped cracker. Well, like like a saltine that's like a yard wide. So the little. (laughs) I I think we found a new fetish for Kelvin. (laughs) Kelvin. Or maybe grams. Okay. Large <laughs> Saltines, those little pieces can cut your gums. Yeah. I want you to really think about that. Yes, I know. Before you stick your dick in it. Yes. <laughs> I but just oh, just to clarify also, thing. <laughs> salt. And then so you cut yeah. yourself and they're saltines. These are salt free saltines. Saltines. Yes. Salt everywhere, literally in the wound. Just saying. Yeah. Wait, hold on. I was not completely serious when I mentioned I wanted to fuck a saltine. Yeah, I'm just now, saying But that. then yeah. again, s'mores. <laughs> no, that's graham crackers. No, graham crackers. Yeah, the consistency might be. Uh, graham crackers, but there's that gooey middle and it's warm. <laughs> no, I would fuck a s'more. I would not fuck a sp- saltine. Okay. I think we can all agree on that. Okay. First okay. off, I would be more likely to lick the graham cracker, but nobody really wants to lick a saltine. What about chicken in a biscuit? <laughs> I think we have finally gone far enough. I think we have arrived in Tom Hanks land, so we shall end with Joe versus the volcano. Is that the last one on the list? That is the last one oh, on good. the list. Wow. And so we end with Joe versus the volcano, which is one of Melissa's unsung favorites. And I it say is. unsung and not it... because she doesn't sing its praises, but because nobody else will. Nobody uh 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 Okay, so the first time I saw Joe versus the Volcano was maybe about two years ago. It was at Ebert Fest. And when Ebert was still alive, he chose Joe versus Volcano to open Ebert Fest that year. I have to admit, for as much as I mock it, it's actually a very fun film. You know, when I first saw it on the list, I went Joe versus the Volcano to open Ebert Fest. And, and, and when I went to Ebert Fest, it's it was very clearly divided. The people who had not seen Joe versus Volcano went, really? The people who had went, oh my god, this is amazing. And sure enough, when it opened Ebert Fest, we had a brand new transfer, 2K transfer of the movie, and it was amazing. It was delightful. It's it a was fantastic. Very fun film, and it's very surreal. It's, rem- it's, it's fun. It's surprisingly surrealistic, and it's. Gorgeous! It is filmed by Stephen Goldblatt. Beautiful to look at. And it has Tom Hanks at the height of his comedy powers. Meg Ryan at the top of her Meg Ryan powers. Meg in, Ryan cute. In the 1990, 1990, like dead center of their careers. In, in Well, that his young charm. comedy career. Yeah. Because he's had several phases. His oh, yeah. young comedy career and Meg Ryan's cute as a button career. Oh, yeah. And and it has Lloyd Bridges and Robert Stack and Hey Vagoda and, <laughs> and who's still not dead? Who is still not dead? God bless him. Uh, pl- please don't let him die before this podcast comes out. But no, you know, uh, oh dear listeners, AbeVagoda.com will tell you if he's alive or dead. Anyway, Joe there, there's the volcano, your recommendation. For there's this my week. recommendation for this episode, AbeVagoda.com. Um, wonderful, delightful silly surrealistic movie it starts out like 1984 with this weird corporate dystopia still very funny but the 
it's kind of this corporate office that is gigantic and Soviet in scope where Tom Hanks is working and then, you know, he goes home and he gets the news that he's dying, right? He gets contacted that he can throw himself into a volcano as a human sacrifice to save this tribe in a uh, South Seas island or something. You're gonna like die that. anyway. You could do this tribe some good. Yeah, you could, you could, you could sacrifice yourself at the end of your life and and give yourself to others. So this whole movie is this odyssey of Tom Hanks. You know, first of all, meeting this young Meg Ryan and they wind up on this odyssey across the ocean. But doesn't he keep ocean. meeting different versions of her? Like yeah, her kinda. sisters or something? Yeah, well, different versions of her is the better Yeah, I don't remember. This is a one of those is bizarre. famous movies that the critics absolutely hated and it was a total bomb. Yeah. But well, I remember Ebert really championing it when it first came oh, out. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, no, seriously, this the, this is a really unique movie. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. And it's kind of Capra-esque, only like if, if Capra got high on something. <laughs> but it, the the romance is very, very sweet and, and kind of, it's kind of idealized, yeah, but it it's in this whole surrealist structure, so it all just kind of works. Well, and from what I remember the movie, it's it's another search for identity. Yeah. And, of course, one of the things that happens when you find yourself is, and you become who you truly are, is love finds you. Mm-hmm. That when you truly go, this is who I am, and this is, and I and I like myself, that that's the moment that love goes, hey, there you are. And so that's what I like about those types of films is not the search for love and all the complications thereof, but I'm much more a fan of the, I'm trying to solve a problem for myself. And the reward I get for fixing myself is when I fall in love with myself, I also find somebody else to love. Yeah. Those films I'm a fan of. Also, I want the luggage. (laughs) This film has the best luggage in the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and those of you who have seen the movie are going, yeah, I want that fucking luggage. All I could think of was Terry Pratchett. <laughs> I want the luggage. And I'm like, really? I don't think anybody actually really wants the luggage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that, dear listeners, was our Baker's Dozen and a couple of side notes <laughs> of non-traditional romantic comedies for people who hate romantic comedies. Because Kelvin... Loves movies, but can't stand romantic comedies? The image that comes to mind when someone says romantic comedy is not something I want to well, see. Well, it's it's honestly, it's not an image that a film lover can embrace. Yeah, but I mean, I you know, there's a lot of movies I really like. And like, if I had to try and fit it into a genre, I just kind of have to say, I, I guess it's a romantic comedy. But I don't want to describe it as that, because if I do, then no one I know wants to see it. Well, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. film lovers kind of shit all over romantic comedies and kind of rightly so because as a genre there's some really terrible ones they're Mm -hmm. just trite i mean they're not fun because they're bad they're not silly enough to embrace they're just they don't represent anyone i know in real life they're they're cold mcdonald's french fries yeah at two in the morning i mean you eat them because you're hungry but it's not like it's good so Melissa, yes. do we have some listener questions? We have listener questions. Yay! Yay! Or rather, listener 
answers. Listener answers. That's yes, a, we have listener yeah. answers. So who are you? Stefan Mahler. Well, hello, Stefan. Now, Stefan has, uh, this is Melissa speaking, Stefan has answered our questions before. Mm. So he's coming back and answering them again, which you can do too. If you have more recommendations oh, for yeah. us, if you have more to add to the Pleasure Dome, just Pop in and say hi. You yeah. can do that, too. Extra credit. Stefan has. You can, too. You can, too. Join us. Yes. Stefan, what do you do? Still an electrical engineer working for a firm that designs huge cranes to go on ships for offshore construction and piping. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, Stefan. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. You have interesting work, Stefan. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm an electrical engineer who helps lay big fucking pipes. <laughs> all right. Stefan, what's in your personal pleasure dome? Since Matt Kesson took such issue with my previous answer of simply pinball. <laughs> oh, my God. We're having some sort of... We're having a backlash. <laughs> Call I this. feel like we're, we're the conduit for some sort of gang fight. <laughs> well, remember, Matt Kesson did pick on him for just saying pinball, but I did love the simplicity of pinball. I'll go back. Okay. Since Matt Kesson took such issue with my previous answer of simply pinball, I shall expand. Oh. Half of my pleasure dome would be outfitted with a large-scale version of the City Museum in St. Louis, Missouri, but with entertainment rooms dotted throughout with different themes like movies, stand-up arcades, pinball, billiards, table tennis, etc. There will also be escalators and or elevators to get to these rooms around the outside of the climbing adventure structure for when you're too tired to go up or down the normal fashion. (laughs) There will also be two swimming pools... One Olympic-sized for lap swimming exercise, and a wave pool for play. <laughs> there a wave will pool. a wave pool. A wave I pool. want a wave pool. Wave pool. Wave pool is pretty great. Yeah, there will be a kitchen of the size of a small office building. Yes. Yes. Stocked with all the implements necessary to make anything your heart desires, like brick oven fired pizzas, homebrew beer and wine, curries and naan, fish and chips, everything. There will be a plot of land next to the kitchen building to allow for planting and tending to fruits and vegetables. That sounds kind of amazing, but also rather laborious. No, 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 no. It's a pleasure dome. There'll be servants. Yes. Yes. This can happen. All right. This is the pleasure dome. It's all about being pleased. Kublai Khan is mighty. Kublai Khan can get anything that motherfucker wants. That's right. That's right. Because he's the Khan. Khan! Khan! All right. (sighs) Stefan. What's your recommendation for our communal pleasure dome? Although I have to say, your personal pleasure dome, I'm coming to visit. Man, that's a pretty tripping personal pleasure dome. Also pinball. All right. Pleasure dome recommendation. I have two podcasts and a YouTube channel to recommend. Oh. The first podcast is a fairly new one called Into It with Ellie Collins, where in each episode, Ellie talks with a guest about a particular topic that means a lot to them. It's kind of like Joseph Scrimshaw's Obsessed podcast, but it's much more self-analytical and nerdy. Hmm. The hmm. second episode is about the comic book Rat Queens, and it is fantastic. I've heard many great things about Rat Queens. So okay. Okay. 
I, I I haven't seen an issue of it, but I've heard many, many great things of it. Okay. The second podcast is called Rachel and Miles Explain the X-Men, in which the hosts, the eponymous Rachel and Miles, discuss and digest the weird things that have happened over the past 50-ish years of X-Men comic books. Ooh. The interesting part is that they're going through the series chronologically, and over the past eight months or so have made it up to issues and storylines from 1985. As an X-Men fan, it is so much fun to hear them going really in-depth about the things that are happening and how it affects stuff elsewhere in the Marvel Universe. Fun. Yeah. Wow. We haven't had anybody recommend another podcast yet. That's a great recommendation. Yeah, Yeah, wow. And then we continue. The YouTube channel is similar to Rachel and Miles, and it is called Marvel Explained. The channel makes digest videos about events and characters in the greater Marvel universe. The first video I found of theirs is about Jessica Jones and was made shortly after the casting announcement that Kristen Ritter would be playing the titular role in the Netflix series as an introduction for people who did not read the Marvel Max series Alias, where Jessica Jones was originally introduced. Fun. So we have... Many recommendations for you, dear listeners. Oh, Stefan. yes. That sounds great. Thank you, Stefan. That is Thank magnificent. You so much. Okay, so and as we know, Melissa's recommendation for this week is AbeVagoda.com, where you can check to find out <laughs> if he's still alive. Yep. AbeVagoda.com. That's where it's at. Okay, my recommendation for the week is the motivational posters with Werner Herzog quotes on them. It's a Tumblr. Uh, oh, honestly, God. just put it into Google and that Tumblr will pop up and it will make your life happy. Or you could just read our show notes where I will surely link to it. Where you will surely link to I it. I will. And... Kelvin, do you have a recommendation? Oh, God. I didn't even about? think of this. Um, um, oh, there was some. Well, we can edit to the part where you. Yeah. Oh, there the was page. some Tumblr I saw recently that was really kind of amazing. What was it? Oh, yeah. Okay, remember the newspaper strip Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but it's the newspaper strip Kathy with all the dialogue replaced with Louis C.K. bits. <laughs> I can't oh. remember the name of it, but it's hilarious. Oh, okay. that's brilliant. I okay. Will, I will link it. I think it's called notes. I think it's called the Kathy CK. Okay. Okay. But, that is an right. excellent recommendation for our pleasure dome. Something that will make you happy. All right, listeners, this has been Wendy, and I have been joined as always by my lovely and talented co-host, Melissa. And this week, of course, we've been having fun times with Mr. Kelvin Hatley, our special guest. I made noises that were picked up by a microphone and digitally recorded. And maybe some of them were insightful and not as inane as what I'm doing now. But I doubt it. I don't know why I did that exactly. I don't know why you did either. But I sure let you do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, join us next week where we will find something else that will make us happy and we will talk about it. Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome out. Boop. Bye. So long. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. 
Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I would not. I wouldn't fight zombies with LPs, though. No, no I'd go for was... laser discs. Yeah.